This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thank you for tuning in to another installment of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Today is Tuesday, July 3rd, 2018. It is 6 p.m. Central Time. And you are listening to us perhaps live at 100,000 watts in the fourth largest city in America, or perhaps you're listening to our digital archives maintained by the University of Houston Digital Library. Or perhaps you're reading the hard copy transcribed by a volunteer and saved at the Houston Public Library's Hispanic Collections. And I'm just curious what brought you either live today to tune in. Maybe it's because we have a president that's maligned Rasa from his first day in office. Maybe it's because... You're tired of just being mad and you want to get involved. Or maybe you're in the far future and you want to piece together the poets and writers that help save democracy. And the trail leads right here. This is Ground Zero. We've done some incredible things. We feel some audacity because, hey, nuestra palabra led to the Libro Traficantes. And we told you. We told you that band of Mexican American studies in Arizona was wrong. We organized that caravan. We joined the national movement to keep that racist un-American law in check. And then we were there with you to make sure it got overturned. And then we told you we would see Mexican American studies approved in Texas one day soon. And that has come to pass as well. I have another prediction for you, too. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be... Our gente, our community, that comes to the rescue to save democracy, which is now in peril. As we begin our show, this is the second day in office after the election of the new president of Mexico. Now, Obrador is the winner by a landslide. He's got an awesome populist name. His last name, Obrador, means worker, just like Trump means millionaire. On top of it, nowhere on the ballot was there a initiative for Mexicans to gather their pesos to pay for the wall. That didn't happen. And we're about to see things get very interesting because we got to remind folks, Mexico kept the Nazis out of the backyard of our country, the USA. Mexico also nationalized its oil. <laughs> And that led to many things as well. So we're in for a fascinating ride as the Mexican populace sits down to negotiate with the new American president, Donald Trump. And we'll see what happens. Here on the ground, we're focusing on what makes our community strong. We've got a great show for you today. And we've got a lot of topics to cover at the top of the show. We're going to tell you how to become a better writer and join the literary community. We've got folks from Gemini, Inc., on the air to talk about their conference. I know it's in San Antonio, but through the magic of telephony, you're listening all over the place. Perhaps you're listening on the live stream. I do conferences all over the country and hear about people talking about a radio show, how they tune in. We got folks in Germany tuning in. We're going to be giving away, in a little bit, day passes to Gemini Inc.'s conference. So if you're in San Antonio, you want to go. It's just about two and a half hours from Houston. You say you want to become a better writer. You promised it to yourself this year. And the year's almost over, and you ain't done it. So I'm holding you to your own promise to become a better writer and to take time to edify yourself because we need you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Also, Latina filmmakers. Ciudad Mir. It is a powerful documentary. We've got the filmmakers joining us on the air, and you're going to find out more about what is up with that, as well as how to create your own films. And then we'll also be joined by Blanca Alanis Rodriguez, a very powerful poet. She'll be telling you about 
the July 5th demonstration and the Free Los Niños Coalition? That's a question we got to ask ourselves right now. Does Cruz care about kids? Do you care about kids? Well, Blanca Alanis is here to, to give you the full deal on it, and we'll find out. July 5th is when this is going down. If you're there, you care. Hopefully you'll be promoting it as well. Of course, she's been part of our other movements, initiatives, and actions, so we can always count on her to, to be behind what we're doing. Here on the home front, our hearts go out to Johnny Mata, Mr. Lulak, who is suffering from leukemia. Now, he is my mentor. I'm happy to call him a friend. But you've seen him on the news before. He's been on the front lines. I, I, I can count so many times that Johnny stood up for our community or helped us architect different events, stayed in the background. And it is powerful to see that the community is coming together for him. There was a fundraiser last week. Please do stay in tune. Send your love to Johnny Mata for all that he's done and all that he will do because we definitely, definitely need him. Also, hey, you know, you're used to me on Sundays on What's Your Point, 7 a.m. on Fox 26 Houston. Of course, Mondays I release a new column on the Cultural Accelerator at TonyDiaz.net. Tuesdays, hey, you're listening to it, so I know you know what this is. I'm adding something else as well. It is The Other Side Television Show. You can go to theotherside.com to see theothersidetele.com to see some of those videos. But it is material you're not going to see anywhere else because we got to keep pushing the envelope in many different ways. And that's why we bring you this radio program as well as the new talent, too. So this is Tony Diaz, Libre Traficante. we got a great team here with us. Hey, everybody. Well, I'm not, I don't think I'm on. Hello. You are on. I can hear you okay. perfectly fine. Good afternoon, Tony. How are you? Good. People, uh, Tell people who you are. Oh, sorry. This is Marlon. This is Joe. Joe Anthony. This is Alexis de Texas, Libertad Fincante. And this is Letty. Fantastic. That is the crew. They put together a great radio program. We are planned into several months from now. And, of course, we always count on your support in different ways, from passing out flyers to going to some of these events. And we always want to make sure that we pay you back either with love, tickets, books. And we hope that you will tweet post and spread the information that we have to share right now we've got on the air we have alexandra from gemini inc and she's, she's the interim director over there alexandra can you hear me yep i can hear you fantastic thank you so much for calling in now alexandra's originally from new york she's called san antonio texas home for over three years she is the interim executive director for Gemini Inc., a literary arts nonprofit based in San Antonio that creates a wide range of programming all around the power of engaging with creative writing and literature. The program ranges from free and fair cost writing workshops to readings with nationally and internationally known authors and a summer writers conference. Van de Kamp is a working poet and author of two full-length collections of poems, The Park of Upside-Down Chairs and kiss hierarchy now also i think amanda is with us amanda hi tony thanks for having us no by all means thank you so much for calling in we're excited to talk to you and i do want to tell folks that you have an extensive background in fundraising grant writing event planning and marketing your passion mm -hmm. includes language the written word community organizations and animal rescue you share experience as a first generation immigrant from central mexico through your poetry and you believe that language has the power to build, transform, and unite communities. You love reading, performing, and hiking with your husband and three rescue dogs. Thank you both for all that you do and for joining us. Oh, no, it's our pleasure. Thank you, Tony. And congratulations on your upcoming conference. I kind of feel bad that we don't have you both here reading your poems. We've got to make up for that. So <laughs> we'll invite you both back as, as poets. But here you're sharing what you do for the literary community. Tell folks about the conference. Um, well, the conference um, began about three years ago, and we decided we wanted something a little bit different for our summer programming. And Gemini had offered like mini conferences for a half a day around community building and um, 
the literary arts is sort of an empowering tool in various communities in San Antonio. So we just expanded it. It's now a three or four day conference. It takes place at this great kind of 1960s retro hotel called El Tropicano in downtown San Antonio. And the idea is to, we create a theme each summer um, that's general, but also has some timeliness to it. So the theme for this summer is writing the new century. And we bring together local authors. We have quite, um, quite an active literary here in Gemini that we really like to engage with. And we bring them, and then we also bring visiting authors from other parts of the country. So it becomes this great kind of three or four day conversation. And we have workshops with the featured authors, panel discussions, really fun free evening readings, a book fair. And um, it's been a whole lot of fun. And this is our third year, and it grows each summer. That's fantastic. And, I mean, you're only two and a half hours. I was just there for the Mixed American Studies Summit, so it's not even three sure. hours away and definitely worth worth the trip. T tell us about oh, some of the workshops. We want writers. Come on over. We want you. We'd love to have them. You know, we have a, a great opportunity. There's a day pass that's quite reasonable. It's only $35 for a day if you want to just come for a day and check out the conference. Um, but we'd love... Uh, writers from all parts of the state to come. It's kind of one of the funnest parts that we get writers from like the Rio Grande Valley, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio, and they all come together and um, meet at our conference. It's one of the funnest aspects of it, I think. I love it. And of course, folks can keep keep uh, keep track. They can go to GeminiInc.org to see some of the workshops. Well, what are some of the workshops for this for this uh, summer? This um, We have um, six um, featured authors. And, um, like, one of them is, believe it or not, Martina Spada. Dang, I love Martina Spada. Um, oh, man. groundbreaking Puerto Rican New York poet coming to San Antonio for this. He's actually the first Latino to win the Ruth Lily Pochi Prize in Lifetime Achievement. Um, he just got that, like, I think a month ago. He's a but dear he's friend. He's actually teaching a fun workshop on writing poetry of political satire in the age of Trump. <laughs> no, he's fantastic. So he, he's so he's going to teach our writers how to smuggle subversive ideas in the gift wrap box of humor and channel anger into art. So that's going to be quite a, I think, dynamic I workshop. Love, uh, yeah, no, he's awesome. And he's actually a, a big friend of the Libro Traficantes. Of course, he's uh, author of the, the Zapata's Disciples. And, sure. of course, banned in Arizona. So this is perfect timing. And he brings the fire. So if you're, oh, listening, yeah. if you're listening right now and you want to bring in the upper echelon of literary aesthetics with deep community activism, you need to go to this. That's awesome. And, and I guess you got more writers than that, too. Like, that's enough right there. But who yeah, else we actually coming? have – yeah, we're, we're, we're ambitious. We have a lot. We have um, we have the lovely Anel Flores. She's a local San Antonio writer. She's oh, an activist. Anel. She actually was just voted by UTSA as the 2018 Woman Advocate of the Year. And she's going to be teaching a great workshop um, on distilling big ideas into intimate narratives. And um, Flores is great for kind of getting across the idea that the act of, story t of telling a story that has not been widely shared yet is already a political act. So we're really psyched to have her. Houstonians we love, we, we've Bono, had an Ellen time of, a couple of times. from New York poet that's now in Taos, New Mexico. And she's going to be actually integrating Native American poets into her poetry workshop. Um, and then we have, of course, Dr. Norma Cantu, the wonderful Chicana uh, critic and nonfiction author that has a teaching um, position out at Trinity University. So she was away from San Antonio for a while, but now she's back with us. And she's going to be teaching a workshop, too. And then Deborah Monroe, a wonderful memoirist. So I can keep going if you want me to. Well, and I think what's great is that, especially here in Houston, we love Anel. She's been out here several times for, for Nuestra Palabra. So if we haven't seen her in a while, folks that would love to hang out with her and hear her work and take a class, I know, would love to go there. And, of course, Norma, founder of Canto Mundo as well. Uh, I think the folks that you're bringing are not just great artists but are cultivating different communities as well so if you're in houston you have really and you've promised yourself to to delve deeper in your writing you have no excuse not to go so reasonably priced as well and i believe you've given us a few day passes to give away um so i'm gonna uh i'm gonna offer one on the air right now 713-526-5738 and if you live in houston 
And again, I know that it's hard. I know that sometimes it's difficult to make time babysitting. But if you want to be a writer, we've gone out of our way to to let you know about this. And I don't want to hear any more about this. If you're saying you're making a commitment to writing and you don't go to this, you're not making a commitment to yourself. So that's the hard sell. You can be the nice. You can be the nice, <laughs> the nice teachers. <laughs> and then, uh, so you mentioned some of the writers. And then, what are the exact days and times so people can plan appropriately? Um, the okay, sure. The conference is um, it kicks off July 20th, which is a Friday. Um, 5 p.m. at El Tropicano, and it's, um, there is some nice free programming with the conference, so this welcome reception at 5 p.m. is free, and the visiting authors can start mingling with the conference attendees or just like local writers from the community. And then it ends on Sunday, July 22nd at about five, um, 6 p.m. with a fun closing party. We have the wonderful spoken word artist, Andrea, um, Andrea Vocab Sanderson, and her band, The Foreign Arm, performing. Um, so it's basically a weekend gig, but you can dip into it as you please. Like there's a Friday night event that's free at the Brick at the Blue Star, this really fun arts complex in San Antonio. And that is some of the main authors reading with an author conversation. And then Saturday night, um, we also have another free event with some of the main featured authors at the Radius Center in downtown San Antonio. Um, so we feel, and Anel Flores will be speaking that night. So. There's all different ways to connect with the programming. Um, and so we want people coming from Houston, um, other parts of the state. We'd love them to take part in this. That's fantastic. And is it, is it annually around the same time each year? Oh, yeah. That third week in July is always on our radar. That's basically when we usually always have it. Great. Because I think that that's always key for folks to kind of be able to plan ahead, even though, sure. even though I really want to hold them to – to taking advantage of, of this great opportunity because I do love the way you've mixed different genres and then also, like you say, you've got some events up in the community but then also some some more um, uh, focused workshops as well and then also, um, like I mentioned, it ranges from free to really reasonably priced and, and super accessible. Great. Now, now, in these three years, I mean, what have you seen – uh, happening with the folks who attend, you see them coming back. You see them building on their skills from before. You see uh, new blood as well. I'm um, actually, it's been really exciting. We see people coming back, which is great. Um, and then I'm originally from New York, so actually, what's been kind of fun for me is there's been these new cultural bridges being built between, like, New York and San Antonio, because some of the visiting authors in the last two years were from New York. And they meet these San Antonio writers. One, they find out how vibrant the literary writing scene is. They really get their, they get, kind of get blown away, frankly. And so what I've been really enjoying is I see relationships lasting beyond the conference. People are Facebooking each other. They're getting published in maybe some journals in New York because an author came down here and met them. And they're just becoming literary friends. So I like that idea of widening that literary net um, among Texas writers, and then also beyond. So that's been one really exciting thing to see. That's fantastic, and I think that is a great goal, especially especially building those bridges and and getting Texas uh, just better better props for the literary community that is here because it is so rich and it is so expansive, but also very hu uh, community based, which then sometimes sure. people don't quite quite hear about, which is awesome. Now it says you're the interim director. Uh, when do you become the the <laughs> the forever director? <laughs> the forever director. Um. Well, I. Um. You know. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> I think we're in a search for a national director. Um. And you know, I think we'll probably know in the next month or so the decision with that. Um. I'm. Uh, I'm applied and I'm interested in the position, but it's just a process that I think our organization needs time to do well and fully. Um, and so we'll let you know the minute we know, Tony. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> by all means. And, and, and I don't mean to be too glib about it, but I think it is great when we have organizations that that keep growing. And, of course, we, we need the – especially literary organizations because, I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of times the theater organizations – have higher operating budgets just because they can say, well, this costume of the Mad Hatter cost 
$50,000, you know, <laughs> or, or whatnot. So to me, it's always great to have thriving literary organizations because I don't think it is, it, it is enough. Um, and, and so when, when you were sitting down and when you are interviewing these folks, what what is the vision? What do you see Gemini Inc. doing in the next five years? Which I hope that we can help uh, let people know about um, that. Well, we're definitely growing. Um, our previous executive director, Sheila Block, was a really vibrant leader. And Nan Cuba, the wonderful author Nan Cuba, was, of course, our the founding member. I mean, believe it or not, Gemini has been in existence for 25 years. I see us continuing to evolve. I think one of our assets is we um, listen to our community and we're always willing to learn from our communities. And so we are getting bigger. Um, and we're doing more, some more nationally relevant programming that will continue. Like we have a mentorship program. Um, Barbara Ross, the wonderful poet, was our poetry mentor this year. And this is for writers in Texas or all over the country. And they apply, and if they, we get two mentees each year, and it alternates between poetry and prose. And it's done mostly online or by phone. So that's growing. Our conference is growing. And so it's kind of putting Gemini Inc. on the national literary map at the same time that it's continuing to activate and empower the wonderful community of writers here. Um, so I see that continuing to grow. I see us continually trying to include diverse perspectives new perspectives, ones we couldn't even predict right now, into our programming. Um, we always want to learn, and we're in a very con well active new century, to say the least. There's a lot going on. Um, so let's just say our, our literary ears are to the ground, and we're always looking for innovating programming to keep up with that. Love it. Well, we wish you continued success. And yes, give us updates. And of course, I mean that's always a sign of a thriving organization when when it as it blossoms, as the baton is passed to the next uh, generation of administrators, the next crew of administrators. That's really what we need to have thriving communities. So we wish you continued success. Thank you so much for calling in. And I haven't, I can't see the phone lines right here, but I'm going to give out the number again: seven one three five two six five seven three eight for Houston folks that want to build bridges from Houston to San Antonio and work on their literary career. We've got some day passes for some folks to go experience this summer conference, which is coming up. And again, thank you so much for calling in. Oh, no, it's our pleasure. This was really a lovely opportunity. Um, we hope to be a part of the show again, Tony. I can't wait. We cannot wait. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Bye. You're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. And I'm looking to the crew to see if we're going to do some music or go yes, right. Sir, we're putting lots of music right now. All right. And those are the magic sounds picked by our crew. It is the soundtrack to a revolution. We'll be right back with Blanca. You're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers. Pero es tuyo, 
solo tuyo Pero tú, la querida, no estás aquí And we are back. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. And of course, right now we want to bring it back to action because that's what we're about. We're artists who act. And we have our dear friend Blanca Alanis Rodriguez in the studio with us. Thank you, Blanca, for coming out. Gracias, Tony, for having me back. And I want to remind folks, of course, you're part familia, but... For anyone tuning in, and of course for all the people in the future who are experiencing us, we want them to know that you are a Mexican-American poet, poetry teacher, folk artist, and human civil rights activist. In 2008, you opened the first Spanish bilingual bookstore in Houston. That was awesome. Her first book was published by Boundless in 2010, the Rio Grande Valley International Poetry Festival. Her Spanish bilingual poetry book, Puro Corazón, was released in 2013. She's participated in the Houston Word Around Town Poetry Tour, the Frida Festival, Women and Disabilities Empowerment Fair, and Houston's Women International Festival. Your work is inspired by Mother Earth, Humanity, and Justice. She is a wife and a mother of two children. She's a curandera. She studies and practices traditional medicines of Mexico. She's also an ordained minister, a Reiki practitioner, and a spiritual healer. Her purpose in this journey is to use the gifts granted by Creator to be of service to others. So thank you for all that you do because, let's see, most recently um, I attended the protest you helped organize in front of Harris County Judge, the uh, Harris County um, Courthouse, because, of course, they had the mistrial in the murder of Johnny Hernandez, who, if people don't remember the name, they remember the video and they yes. see the video of him being strangled to death by a ex-law enforcement officer. And, of course, I think not a lot of people knew that. Well, how about this? It happened so quick because that happened on the, the mistrial was announced. I remember it was vaguely the weekend. and Yes. And, and yeah, you know, we, we the jurors are deliberated for about 30 hours. And this whole time we're sitting with the familia and we're thinking they just can't make up their mind whether to, to charge him with murder or manslaughter. But then it turns to find out that um, that only 10 of the jurors found him not guilty. And two of them uh, thought that he was guilty. And so the family didn't even know if they were going to go through another another trial or not. And uh, that's why we put that protest together, you know, outside the, the, the judge and uh, Dis District Attorney Kim Ogg's office uh, to demand you know, first of all, we're really upset what you've put the family through. You know, the video shows it, shows it all. And so, you know, we're demanding another retrial. And, and the family still has hope and faith that service 
will be done, you know, for for their son. And so we're we're going to keep at it with this family because that's know. still ongoing. And yes. of course, we could do a whole show on that. Yes. In fact, that same day it came out, uh, Luis Argueta in in Galveston was mm. murdered by police. Mm-hmm. And of course, we still have Claudia uh, Gonzalez, um, Gomez Gonzalez, who was murdered by Border Patrol agents. Yes. We don't have. We're not going to get into that right, right now because we have another cause. And, and I, think, I think the key part here, too, is so if you're tuning in, we have to, we're keeping you apprised of all these causes. At the same time, we have to keep sticking to our commitment to the writers and creativity because I think this is intended to silence us, desanimarnos. Yes. So forgive us if we don't get to every issue. We right. do want to make sure we plant the seeds for the next generation of thinkers and leaders. But this is another powerful issue you want to tell folks about. Tell us about the new coalition. Yes. So the separation of the children from, from the families, it really started to, to hit home. Uh, and, you know, I myself being an immigrant from Mexico, coming here at the age of five. Uh, but what the children are experiencing right now in these days is it's, it's trauma. It's, it's child abuse. To be separated from your parent, not knowing when you're going to see them, and and it's they, shameful. It's yeah. disgraceful. Yes, and I mean, and you know the the things that go on in the detention center from abuse and neglect, and and the kids being medicated with psychotropic drugs without the consent of parents, and uh, rape, and it goes on and on, and um, so that. It, that's what got a lot of us here in Houston to to act and to start uniting and fighting for the for the children. And so, um, several independent uh, activists and many organizations got together, and I'm just going to name uh, name those organizations that we decided to to start acting and meeting and uh, scheduling actions on a regular, you know, one, two, or three actions a week, and so. Uh, the Los Niños Coalition is made out of Brown Berets Houston, Familias Inmigrantes y Estudiantes en la Lucha, that's FIEL, Fight for Immigrant and Refugees Everywhere, that's FIRE, Harris County Green Party, Houston Democratic Socialist of America, Houston Socialist Movement, Refuse Fascism, Service Employees International Union Texas, Texas Environmental Justice Advocacy Service, and just today, um, Code Pink uh, joined the coalition, and so, um, and it's just we can we can't allow this detention center to open up here in Houston at at four nineteen emancipation. So and that, that's what it, this particular moment boils down yes, to: is that they want to open that baby jail, op- yeah, right here, here in our city, in our ciudad, on a road in an avenue called Emancipation. Yeah. That the irony is, is <laughs> shameful. The other thing that bothers me, there's many things, but it's across the street from Dynamo Stadium. Mm. So it's like, yeah, if we consume, yeah, you know, yeah, the brown people can come, consume, and drink, and be distracted, while kids that look like them yeah. are going to be sitting right there, sitting in cages. Them. That's yeah. disgusting. It, and, and it is sad, Tony, because I've been out there for several actions, and I'm on my way home, you know, to go to my kids, to my family, and I see the lines of our people to get into a minute, you know, stadium for the Astros games, for the Dynamos games. I'm like, mira tanta raza here to see the sports, but where are those crowds supporting the children that could be housed here, you know? And that's why we do what we do. Some of them I don't even think are aware of what's happening in their city. Um, and so some of the some of the principles that that we stand for and that we're trying to achieve through this coalition is to prevent again the the opening of the 419 Emancipation Avenue, to end separation of families, to end the detention of migrants in general, prevent the construction of new detention centers. Stop raids and deportations. Fight the narrative that depicts migrants as criminals. Ensure that refugees' applications for asylum are processed. Demand housing, health care, education, and other support for refugees. Welcome, not detain or prosecute all migrants. And harmful destabilization of U.S. intervention in other countries, which leads to migration. Recognize the assault on migrants as part of a broader attack on people of color, 
women, LGBT communities, workers, and the existing rights, and to recognize that the Trump administration needs to go, and the social system that gave rise to it, it needs to go. And so that that's what our coalition stands for, and um, those are some powerful statements. Like each one can can really touch on so many different layers. Uh, just just to touch on one briefly, you mm-hmm. you pointed out that you, you hear a lot of um, anti-Latino people, anti-immigrant people say, "Well, um, it's their fault for bringing their kid here," and then of course, you know. The, the the quickest response is to say, well, U.S. intervention ruined the homeland. Yes. And, you know, the the quickest one to point out is the first 9-11 was the 9-11 that the U.S. caught in, in Chile mm-hmm. when the, the U.S. helped support a terrible dictator, Pinochet, to mm-hmm. overthrow in a democratically elected leader, Allende. Yes. And you could go country to country, and we had a role in it. Yes. And so I'm just kind of... The points that you bring up are very powerful, and that's just one example of what could, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> go on and on. Let me uh, tell us about the actions that people can attend. Yes, so the actions that are coming up this Thursday, July fifth at six p.m., we're going to have a demonstration outside that uh, child detention center at four nineteen Emancipation Avenue. So we're going to gather. Uh, we're going to have some chanting. We're going to have some speakers, some leaders. Uh, I believe probably the free radicals are going to be playing that day. And we're going to also march. Uh, and then on Saturday, July 7th at 5, also at the proposed location, 419 Emancipation. And this one is also uh, it's put together by Refuse Fascism, who is also part of our coalition. And uh, so those are the next two events to happen this week at that location so we're, we ask the community uh, to, to keep coming out and we're stressing the point that I, I think some people are kind of gotten a little bit relaxed because Trump said he's no longer removing the children from their parents um, but families are still going to be held families are still going to be imprisoned and those kids have not been returned right. where are all those children we want we want to know that's heartbreaking that is very yeah. un-american and i got to yes. wonder i mean does the tech crew does crews care about these kids i mean they need to get to the bottom but you bring up a great point in that some the pressure might be abating because some people think oh well trump said he's going to stop doing it but you bring up the great point in that the other parts of the atrocities are not right it it's it's going to continue so so I think it, the, it moved the country to 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 unite to stand up for the children. You know, we all have niños, and how blessed we are that we can put our children to bed every night. And so I think that awakened many. Um, but ne- just because he said, "Okay, I'm not going to do that anymore," we still have to keep the fight because um, this all of it is just inhumane and is unjust and the detention centers have to go these people need to be given asylum and and i get it there's some folks that are scared about uh drug cartels and gang members these are babies yeah they can't even get on roller coasters i mean if you had that if if they went to disneyland which they ain't going to soon (laughs) and they had that little stick to say you must be above this height to go they're not above that height to go so these are not Killers and criminals. These are little babies and kids being torn yes. from the arms of their yeah. mom. So it's um, heartbreaking. I did want to point out to um, to to like our page. We just created the Facebook page, and it's Free Los Niños Coalition. And there you will see um, updates on upcoming actions, but also on what's happening with this specific location. You know, they're still working on on the permits and and applications for it. So it still hasn't quite opened. But through our page, you can follow what's happening not only here in Houston, but uh, in Brownsville, the tent city, and and all across the U.S. So we're we're trying to keep the community informed of what's happening throughout our nation. And a lot of us uh, do feel the need to also travel to Brownsville to support, you know, our smaller communities. Uh, I myself will be going to Tent City in Tornillo, Texas at the end of this month. And so uh, we have also created a GoFundMe account for the coalition uh, because, as some of you know, it 
for us to create these actions, we have to pull permits.、Mm. We have to do a lot. We have to do uh, um, flyers, cold waters for the people during those hot marches, and and the traveling. The traveling expenses, no, as you know, we went we went to Austin, exactly.、Right? And so, todo el trabajo que hacemos. Uh, you know, it comes from our pockets and it comes with love. But I know that a lot of people who who cannot make it out to actions love to help out. Well, and let me let me make something clear to folks too. Like basically, you've compiled a, a a campaign that Madison Avenue would envy. So this takes genius time, energy that you've donated. That's time that you're not spending working anywhere else to get paid for that.、Right. You do put in money for、uh, ink, paper. All of that gas money. We went up to to Austin. That's、yeah. gas money.、Yeah. Some folks did pitch in to pay for lunch, but again, comida,、Todo. lunch, and the other thing too that people don't talk about, and I do want to dwell about it. Just I want to dwell on it just a little bit.、Mm-hmm. This is time, like you said, we got babies and kids, y familia. That's time we could spend with them. Yes, you know. I know. Sometimes you don't. We don't get to see our kids, and it, it's. It's kind of hard, you、It's、know. It's hard, but and, and these battles aren't one-day battles. We're talking、no. five. You know, this we're we're on a I, long-term. Yes. So, so I mentioned all that so that <laughs> we encourage folks to support in many ways, including、uh, financial if they can. Yeah, Pero they también can. que entiendan y que tengan esa、uh, esa punto de vista de ser, you know, folks. You know, we thank you and the other activists for giving their time and energy to this. Yes.、Um, yes. Now I think usually we ask for you for a, a poem. You have a poem. song. I have a song today, Tony. That this song to me, and I call it I call it my anthem. So every morning, you know, I wake up with my connection to Creator and through prayer and meditation. So I play this song,、um, and it's an old song from the seventies,、uh, and it was written by Argentinian Leon Gayco. And it was is interpreted by many, but I heard it by Mercedes Sosa,、mm, who is also an、yeah. Argentinian, and and she was known as the voice of the voiceless,、uh, and the voice of America.、Uh, so I would like to to share this song for you all, and it's a Spanish song. Solo le pido a Dios translates to. I only ask of God, and so I les va. Solo le pido a Dios que el dolor no me sea indiferente, que la reseca muerte no me encuentre vacía y sola sin haber hecho lo suficiente. Solo le pido a Dios. Que lo injusto no me sea indiferente, que no me abofete en la otra mejilla después que una garra me arañe esta suerte. Solo le pido a Dios que la guerra no me sea indiferente. Es un monstruo grande y pisa fuerte toda la pobre inocencia de la gente. Solo le pido a Dios que el engaño no me sea indiferente. Si un traidor puede más que unos cuantos, que esos cuantos no lo olviden fácilmente. Solo le pido a Dios que el futuro no me sea indiferente. Desahuciado está el que tiene que marchar. A vivir una cultura diferente. Solo le pido a Dios que la guerra no me sea indiferente. Es un monstruo grande y pisa fuerte toda la pobre inocencia de la gente. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. And that is a powerful song that unites us all. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and we look forward to, to seeing you and supporting the cause Friday and Saturday. Yes. Thank you. I'll be there. Thank you. So we've cut the musical break, and we're going straight to the phone lines. We're going to be talking to two filmmakers, Mayra Garza and Melissa Santiana. They have actually created the film Ciudad Mir, and this is about Mir, a Mexican border town located about 250 miles from San Antonio. In 2010, two of the most gruesome crime organizations in Mexico ignited a war for control of the town. In the midst of the war on drugs, Mir, which once had a population of 4,762, was left with only 400 people. Y aquí tenemos en la línea Mayra. ¿Aquí estás, Mayra? Sí, aquí estoy. Hola. Muchas gracias por llamar. Y también, Melissa, ¿estás ahí? Sí, Fantástico. Y uh, tengo entendido que prefieren hacer la entrevista en español. Sí, si así lo prefieres tú, estamos bien con el español. Yo, inglés, español, spanglish, como ustedes quieran. Mm -hmm. <laughs> español, español será entonces. Perfect. And then, uh, well, gracias. ¿Las dos son de Laredo? Somos de Nuevo Laredo. Ah, qué bueno. ¿Y cuánto tiempo tienen haciendo películas? Bueno... Yo empecé aproximadamente hace como 10 años en, en la universidad y hacía cortometrajes más experimentales que, que documental, pero al menos este es mi primer documental eh, así en forma. Ah, claro, claro. Y este tema es heavy, ¿verdad? Sí. <risa> <risa> uh, cuéntanos un poco de eso, porque quieres, estás diciendo que era tu primer uh, documentary kind of investigation era era que la tema merecería merecía algo así algo más profundo un po, algo más directo o, o, o qué pensabas no, lo que pasa es que mi familia toda mi familia es de ciudad mier yo yo crecí yo bueno yo nací acá en laredo pero yo de niña me crié en mier por así decirlo y, y para mí era muy importante eh, que, que la demás gente se enterara de lo que estaba pasando en esa ciudad que, que fue olvidada por, por los medios y, y por muchísima gente en México incluso. ¡Wow! ¡Qué potente! Y, y entonces terminaste la película, pero ya la, está, ya la estás estrenando, ¿verdad? Cuéntanos un poco de eso. La hemos estado mostrando en varias, perdón por la redundancia, muestras, aún no son festivales, la mostramos aquí en Laredo, en una muestra pequeña regional que hicimos aquí en un lugar que se llama Club Boogaloo. Uh, y All Girls Cinema Series nos invitó también a mostrarla en la Resistencia Bookstore en Austin. Awesome. Entonces, esa es la última que hicimos. Por lo, el momento, no está disponible al público, no hay manera de verla porque la estamos por decir, guardando para meter los festivales o en otras en otras series. Pero al mismo tiempo, si sí quieres que la gente lo, lo, lo vea y te dé a lo mejor unas ideas o, o lo puedes ver como, como les toca el corazón o la mente, ¿no? Sí, claro, es lo que buscamos, como llegar al mayor público posible en, en un futuro, pero por ahorita estamos buscando eh, competencias y, y festivales y ya después tenerla disponible para, para todo el público. Claro. Cuéntanos un poco de, de, de la obra. Tell us about it. Pues, eh, es, un, es un documental, pero es un cortometraje. Entonces, no dura más de 30 minutos. Es corto y es, queríamos hacer algo muy conciso. Lo que hicimos es que viajamos a Ciudad Mier, en México... Eh, ya teníamos programadas varias entrevistas con algunas personas que nuestra productora nos consiguió eh, y entonces ya teníamos las casas a donde íbamos a visitar, era una familia y íbamos a entrevistar a ciertas personas. Entonces tenemos como el punto de vista de cinco personajes de diferentes edades, de diferentes géneros y cómo vivieron ellos la guerra contra el narco que se dio en su momento más fuerte en el 2010. Entonces, básicamente es sus testimonios y nos cuentan que los momentos más difíciles que 
nos dimos cuenta, nosotros no sabíamos, íbamos nada más con cámaras, micrófonos y dinos lo que nos tengas que decir. Y ahí fue cuando descubrimos que fue efectivamente en el 2010, cuando se pusieron las cosas muy, muy feas, la gente se fue de mier, quedaron muy poquitos, se quemaban casas, se balaseaban todo el día y eventualmente eso hizo que pues la gente que podía, que tenía posibilidades, se fuera de mier, se fueron y quedaron nada más. 400 personas en el pueblo. Incluso era muy difícil um, como tener información previa por porque, como no sé, como tú sabes, en, en México no se habla de esto en los medios. Eh, entonces, todas las teníamos solamente anécdotas, eh, historias que la gente nos contaba y contamos con la ayuda de, de una persona en Mier que, que es, uno de, es el narrador de nuestro documental, que él fue el, el tiene un registro, una crónica de, de todos los acontecimientos que hubo durante durante ese periodo tan difícil, entre el 2010 y el 2011. Esa persona registró eh, desde cuántas casas fueron quemadas, qué día, eh, qué, qué negocios fueron balanceados, en qué día. Entonces te, tuvimos una fuente buenísima y, y una respuesta muy, muy buena de, de la familia que entrevistamos, que es la protagonista, por así decir, de nuestro documental. ¡Qué fuerte! Y bueno, te quiero hacer varias preguntas, pero una será, ¿nos puedes decir cuántas gentes fue afectadas o cuántas casas quemadas? Y la, la otra cosa es, debo entender, entonces, tú conocías Mir como niña, ¿verdad? Entonces, sí. ¿de repente sabías que, que ha cambiado drásticamente o, o, o cómo te llegó a ti la información de que el pueblo ya estaba um, en esta situación? O oh, por historias de, de que la gente nos iba contando, yo dejé de ir cuando mis, mis, mis abuelos fallecieron, ya, ya no tenía familia ahí, entonces dejé de ir por muchos años, pero tiempo después fue cuando empezamos a escuchar, oye, en Mier está pasando esto, en Mier, en Mier hay balaceras todo el día, toda la noche, pero en ningún otro lado salía, en ningún otro lado lo publicaban, eh, y desde entonces en mí nace esta pregunta de por qué hace esa, esa gente y por qué no se van. Eh, porque nos decían, ¿no? O sea, nosotros nos queremos quedar cierta gente, ¿no? La que se quedó. Y, y desde entonces yo quise saber qué era, cuál fue, la, fue el motivo y cómo, cómo había sido, cómo lo habían vivido ellos. Hola, Mari, Mari Melisa, soy Blanca. Hola, Hola. Blanca. Hola. Quería contarles que yo soy de Sabina Hidalgo y viví en Nuevo Laredo. Y también he, he visitado a la ciudad Mier y he visto la diferencia en cómo la gente ya no está ahí. Eh, conozco Ajá. mucho de toda esta historia que están platicando del narcotraficante, de la violencia, de cómo las familias se van. Uh, han, ¿Han pensado en venir a Houston a enseñar a es, esta película, este documental? Pues, si nos invitan. Sí. <risa> Deberían de venir. Deberían de venir a enseñarlo porque hay muchas familias acá de Houston que también This somos is the del official norte. invite. We are inviting del, del you. Norte, del norte de México. So, eh, todo eso lo que acaban de contar, eh, tengo familia que todavía lo está viviendo. Mm, imagino que muchas ciudades también sí. todavía están Todas pasando por esto. pequeñas del norte. We're, we're running out of time. I think Marlene had a question, or you're saying you you know the story too? Well, well it just so happens my family is also from Sabina Hidalgo, and um, before the the show started, I was telling the the guys that whatever they were talking about on, on the film because I saw it uh, before we started, exactly the same thing. Wow. Exactly the same thing, except they haven't shrunk in size. Mira, gra gracias por llamar. Vamos a estar en contacto y les deseamos mucho éxito con esta historia muy importante y esperamos que lleguen a Houston. Sí, gracias. Yo, if you're tuning in, this is Tony Diaz de Libre Traficante. This show was dope. We went deep. We went, we gave you some tickets. That movie. Like, my oh my goodness. And, and we're right? touching some, some topics that nobody else wow. does. That's what's up. It's a Chicano Latino Renaissance experience at this Tony Diaz Libre Traficante State Show. This is Marlene. This is Joe. Joe Anthony. This is Lexis from Houston, Texas. Letty. Yo, team. All right. See you guys soon. <laughs> Good <Ciao>. show. <laughs> Good show. Don't forget to register to vote.
Ven y disfruta de una tarde de música y poesía. KPFT y Son Pacífica te invitan al Festival de Verano, evento a beneficio de la estación. La música a cargo de Rubén Moreno y su Blues Rock and Psychic Band. El jazz, el blues y la voz de Evelyn Rubio y su grupo. Bayou City Swing con su Gypsy Jazz Style Music y la música electrónica y ritmos alternativos de No te mueras en mi casa. La poesía con los escritores cronopios de Houston, Miriam Damaris y Enrique Infante y la escritora Leslie Contreras Schwartz. Ven y diviértete con nosotros. La cita es en el Fitzgerald's 2706 White Oak Drive el domingo 22 de julio a las 2 de la tarde, KPFT Houston. The forested land around our bayous act as the kidneys of the water system. They clean out pollutants and help manage flooding in times of high rainfall. Preventing more Houston land from being covered in concrete ensures that more of the precious little water that falls has the ability to soak into the ground and our aquifers. Living with water shortages or damaging floods brings to light how connected we all are to the natural world around us. Our health suffers without clean water and fresh air. Families suffer without safe places to spend time together outdoors. Bayou Land Conservancy, a local nonprofit organization celebrating its 20th anniversary, works to permanently protect land in the greater Houston area with a special focus on the 13 watersheds that feed Lake Houston. Please visit our website at www.bayoulandconservancy.org or find us on social media. KPFT Houston, 